Good day to you fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. Events or circumstances. Rebecca, don't re- distract her right now. I need her. <laughs> Events or circumstances have arisen that have shattered your world. Now, uh, Maria, put it full screen. This is a quiet day ice fishing. To top up your Omega-3 DHA, you could lead the life of the Inuit Eskimo. Their Omega-3-rich diet has contributed towards their healthy lives. Come to PG-13 church. How many of you think that was probably a bad day? Stuff happens that'll shatter your world. And that was not real, by the way, just so you know. You've struggled to discover how you can put your life back together once you've had something break you down and mess your life up. Cried out to God, maybe wondered how, why he's allowed this dark cloud to enter your life. Why has he allowed this situation to arise in your life? You don't deserve it. You don't think you did anything that warrants it. You've asked friends, you've sought out help from Brothers and sisters in Christ, you've called, you've connected with people and described your troubles. You may have even talked to a pastor, gone to see somebody for help. Oddly enough, you're looking at this situation through a lens that's skewed. And I want you to understand something about broken places in our lives. You are primed to receive exactly what God needs to send into your life in that broken place. I know that's contrary to your thinking and our mental processes. But I'll help you understand that as I walk through this message with you. This season of intense brokenness What it does is it strips away your false security. Because you've been brought face to face with the shallow nature of your faith. I speak from the platform of somebody who has had to stare this very issue in the eye. Because when in spring of 2018, I was looking at a doctor who looked me in the eye and said, 
we have discovered something on your heart that's not good, it's not right. You have a valve that just doesn't do what the valve's supposed to be doing. And I was thinking, what? Don't you understand, Doc? I, I ride a bicycle two or three times a week. I'm putting 10, 12 miles, and I'm going up the hills. I'm, I'm trying to find the hard places and riding hard, doing the best I can. What are you trying to tell me? I walk on the days I'm not riding. I'm constantly trying to make my cardio life better. And you're telling me, and then I don't have a parent, anyone in my past, that, that had this kind of an issue. I've lived a good life. Never smoked, drank, ran with people who do. No, that's not true. Anyway. And so I, when I speak this to you, I want you to understand I've come, had to come face to face with my faith in that moment. And it's my hope and prayer that this journey that you're on will take you from the valley of death to a, a renewed awareness of God's constant presence. And a unique ability to put the pieces of your fractured existence back together. God can do that. In all of your brokenness. You're looking at your situation right now and you're thinking, I don't know how. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know if it's possible. But I'm going to tell you, God can take your worst disaster, your disastrous life, and build off of that. Something beautiful. Now I want to take a brief moment. I did it in the early service. I want you all to hear it in the second service because I don't want you to miss this. During this week or these, this month of honoring pastors, I want you to know that Pastor Amy and I honor the staff that surrounds us personally. We give them gifts and honor them and bless them and I, I don't want us to take for granted, I don't take for granted the people that surround us doing ministry in this church. Uh, Pastor Peggy's sitting over here and she's, she's obscure, she's in the background most days and most of you know little about her. A few of you may have had counsel from her and that's her business, that's her ministry, that's her gifting. And she takes some pressure off of Pastor Amy and I because people, we all, we, we do our best to point them towards her where she's had training and is skilled in this area. And I, Pastor Amy and I have given her a gift uh, from our own uh, coffers, if you will, to honor her and appreciate her and who she is and what she does in this ministry life here. And so would you show your appreciation to Pastor Peggy? I said also in the early service that uh, it's easy to take good people for granted, and I, I don't want to do that. But Minister Robert Albino is, is an extraordinary 
musician and worship leader, and he's accompanied by his beautiful wife, Kayla, and they continuously do active, beautiful ministry for this church. I was away last weekend, so I know Robert was here preaching, and I can walk away and not worry about what's going to be said or that the service will, whether or not it'll be an okay service. I don't feel like you're getting leftovers or second best when I leave you in their hands and they bring the word and I'm just blessed by them and I, and I want you to know that Pastor Amy and I have a gift that we're giving them. Um, yeah, don't forget that. She's waving it at you guys on your way out, right? Um, would you show some honor to the Albinos, please? We love you guys. Minister Robert receives a part-time salary from us that's abysmal by my estimation, deserves much more, and is worth much more, and could get far more in many churches all over this nation would pay him to be that alone. He is that gifted and skilled. And so use this time to honor Minister Robert uh, and, and give him some gifts. Show him your love and appreciation. Would you do that during this time? Um, we have others, and I'll talk about others at other days, but uh, I want to get on into the message. Turn with me. Well, actually, we have the Passion Translation, and most of you won't likely have that with you. So I want you to see what, how this reads from the Passion Translation, Psalm 31, verses 11 through 13. Now, if you have a, uh, your Bible app on your phone or other electronic device, you can get the Passion Translation easily. But here it is, Psalm 31, verses 11 through 13. My enemies say, you are nothing. Even my friends and neighbors hold me in contempt. They dread seeing me. Sounds like a bad day, doesn't it? Even my friends and neighbors hold me in contempt. They dread seeing me, and they look the other way when I pass by. That's rejection. By the way, let me take this opportunity to say to all of you believers... Don't let, see, to me, COVID has just made this worse because people often have their face, faces covered up and it has allowed people to ignore when they're near somebody else. And never let it be said of believers that you don't look somebody in the eye when they walk by you. Give somebody a smile. I, you don't have to say a thing, but at least look someone in the eye. Don't act like they're not there when they're right there. It's a travesty that we live in a world where you can walk right by somebody and they intentionally don't look at you. I had all I could do. I was washing my truck on Friday. And a woman walked by out on, out on the street. I'm right there washing my truck. And she never took her eyes off of straight down the road. She's a neighbor. I had all I could do not to take the hose and just go. 
Oh, you're there? I never saw you. This is what King David is experiencing right now. Give me verse 12. I'm totally forgotten, buried away like a dead man, discarded like a broken dish thrown in the trash. I overheard their whispered threats, the slanders of my enemies. I'm terrified as they plot and scheme to take my life. This is the Goliath slayer. These are his words. He took down a giant, a physical giant, and listen to where his emotions are right now. Do you hear the pain in his voice? Can you recognize the brokenness in his life right now as he describes it for us so vividly? I feel like a broken pot people throw away. At first glance, I want you to recognize some people. I'm going to describe three types of people that may be sitting here today. First, there are people whose lives resemble a broken vase that's been repaired. Perhaps some of you have tried to do this. At first glance or from a distance, the, the vase looks like, uh, it may seem like it, it has it all together. Looks fine. Certainly from a distance it is. But upon closer inspection, the jagged edges of makeshift repairs loom large. And that's how some of us are in church. Sometimes these walking wounded are identified by their pleas for pity. Look at me. I need help. Come on. Don't you see it? But on some of these, if you touch the sore spot, a flood of it, Relentless emotion pours forth. And this is David that we just read about. In the years of running and hiding, and his emotions are all over the place. So that's the first, first people group. They may look okay, but on closer inspection, they're not. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you are there. There's another group of people categorized as unresponsive stoics um, who are fortified against the threat of future wounds. They built up a crusty exterior and you're not going to penetrate the barrier they've set up. They've been hurt enough before. You've met some of them. You've met them in and around churches before because churches have them. Or they are no longer attending church because they've put up those barriers. I don't want to get hurt again by another Christian. These have built up powerful walls to prevent hurt. And as a coping mechanism, it may work, but this life has severe lack. When you push people out of your life, when you can't be real, when you have to walk in this facade of things are okay, 
People like this can't really enjoy themselves. Can't really let down their guard. Can't have real joy. Because they're wondering who's watching and what are they going to do to hurt me. There's a third group I want to talk about this morning and that some of you may fit in. They appear to be fairly well-adjusted people. However, press one of their hot buttons. Anybody in here have a hot button? It's okay, you can admit it. Eight of you apparently have hot buttons. Let me interview one of you that did not raise your hand just now. Those touchy little areas of unresolved hurt. And if you touch that hot button on that person, at any given moment, they, it, it, they erupt in a sort of Jekyll and Hyde tirade that, that will leave you reeling, wondering, where did that come from? And some of you are familiar with that because it's all so close to you. Never saw it coming. Is there anybody in here that doesn't understand the reference? I don't, I shouldn't do that to you. Jekyll and Hyde. That's an old movie, but it's, it's about someone that was great, a good doctor, but he turned into a monster. And he could come and go in that atmosphere, if you will, and personality type. Jekyll and Hyde. Good Dr. Hyde, right? Jekyll was actually the good, that's a bad name for a good guy. In any way, in any case, it happens in our lives. Maybe you, in your broken state, you fit into one of those three categories that I just named. But I want you to understand something that I alluded to earlier. Is it possible that you're broken in all the right places? Show us Psalm 34 now, verses 17 through 19. Yet when holy lovers of God cry out to him with all their hearts... The Lord will hear them and come to rescue them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to all whose hearts are crushed by pain. You hear that? The Lord is close to all whose hearts are crushed by pain. And he is always ready to restore the repentant. One, got to remove that crusty exterior. Even when bad things happen to the good in God, what? What? Is that in the Bible? Even when bad things happen to the good and godly ones, 
the Lord will save them and not let them be defeated by what they face. Come on, say hallelujah. The promise of God is not necessarily to remove all our difficulties. Rather, his promise is to be with you in it. In them. Because, you know, I, again, as a patient waiting on a table and in that awesome room where the big bright lights are shining on you and you know within moments somebody's going to start cutting your chest. Literally cut into the thing that gives me life. Some point, at some point, this heart had to stop and they were artificially pumping blood through my system. That's not... That's not a pleasant thought, is it? And so you're staring that kind of moment in the face. And the only thing I got is Jesus. The only thing I got is God at my side. Taking me in that moment of, of I'm just in your hands, Lord. You're all I got right now. I know good doctors, thank the Lord, People praying for me, in, in particular my wife, seeking God's face on my behalf. In those moments, <laughs> you've got to believe the word. The Lord will save them and not let them be defeated by what they face. When you read those words from Psalm 34... Just now we've read, it may leave a different impression. It may be the impression you want to hear. But you see, David knew better. He knew that life had ups and it had downs, and he wrote both of those Psalms. What we read first and what we read just now, David wrote those. 23rd Psalm, David. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Where's your, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death in Psalm 31. I feel like a broken pot. Even my friends rejected me. Have any of you ever saw, it, it's a type of pottery and they'll, they'll make vases and bowls and such things, but they literally make them and design it so it looks like they're cracked. They have a glaze that's, that's coated on them, and, and, and in the baking process, that glaze actually cracks. And so it looks like it's a mess. But the reality is that vase will hold its own. It will do its appointed task perfectly well. So I've met people who bear the marks of suffering and yet grace and wisdom emanate from their lives like sweet perfume. They may 
look like they have been broken because they have. But they've submitted that brokenness to the Lord who takes that brokenness and makes something beautiful out of it. Instead of sympathy, they evoke admiration. Sincerity replaces hardness and brokenness. Others want to embrace. Do you want to know their secret? Let me demonstrate your, their secret for you. I have in front of you a loaf of French bread, a fresh loaf of French bread that smells amazing right this moment. I took that cover off and it's like, oh, give us this bread, oh Lord. I'm sorry, I'm distracted right now, right? James say, pull it together, preacher, pull it together. It's French bread, typically as they are created, has a crusty exterior. And if I pour this water here, it just runs all over the loaf, runs right off the loaf, just like a crusty exterior will do in our lives. And see, just as the bread crust sheds the water that's been poured on it, so our calloused hearts impede the Holy Spirit's intention to do something with that crust or in your life. But watch this. If I take this crusty loaf of bread and tear it apart exposing the soft inner layers and begin to pour the same water that just runs all over the sides. It's actually filling this piece of this loaf of bread. And this represents if we allow the pain to overtake us, one of God's purposes, <laughs> hallelujah, what a perfect illustration, is to break apart that encrusted veneer, that crusty exterior. When, when your life, if you will, is ripped open by circumstances and struggles, by pain, it exposes that soft interior where Holy Spirit needs to do a work. And I'm not done yet with the illustration because this loaf of bread is able to absorb all of this 
work from God now in this case as a representation of us, but God's not done because he'll take that loaf and the water in the exterior, there it sits, but he doesn't leave you there because he'll take you and begin to squeeze out of you all of that work that he's done has a purpose now. And it's drawn out of you through the pressing, through the crushing, through the pain when you have allowed now Holy Spirit to work in your life. You've allowed, oh, my hand smells so good right now. I just want to lick my fingers right now. I don't want to use a napkin. I keep losing it on this one, Albert. I keep losing it, brother. Stay on point, preacher. You see, that's how God works in our lives. and We've got to be willing to allow him to take that and, and, and tear us, break us, uh, and allow the circumstances. And I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you that God brought the circumstances. Because I know how to rebuke the devil too. But I also know that in the circumstances, our hearts get prepared for God to do something that he can do no other way. I want to move you from the problem to the promise. Adversity tests our faith, doesn't it? Do we really believe that God is in control? Write that down. You're taking notes. Do we really believe that God is in control? That's what adversity forces us to ask. Do we recognize that in ways often beyond our grasp, he causes everything to work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose? That's Romans 8, 28. He causes. So God takes the things that may not appear good in fact, on the opposite, they may appear as the opposite, and he will work them, the crushing, he will work them, the tearing, he will work for good, even though it doesn't look good, even though it doesn't feel good. Are we convinced that at just the right moment, he will give us all the good things he has promised. It's getting hot in here. Thank you, evangelist Nicholas. When we encounter life's unfairness, questions such as, why me? Why now? How come, God, you've let this into my life? Or why did God? Some of us will actually go there. God, why are you doing this? I want to shift your focus from the problem to the promise. 
How am I going to do that? Change your question. Change your question. Not why me. Why God? How about just inserting one word? Why now, God? Why now? You see the emphasis changes. Because you're starting to recognize that there may be something God's after in you. You're not just expressing the fact that this is painful. God knows you're in pain. And in the midst of your pain, God has provided a way that you can escape it and he can use it to work something good. A means of escape, if you will. What can I learn from this situation? There's a good question to ask God. When you're in a situation that feels like it's brokenness. What can I learn, Lord, from this situation? What will you reveal about my future? There's a scary one. Because what happens is we, we want to close in and we want to just cocoon in our problems, in our pain, and some of us will develop a crusty exterior like a cocoon that's is supposed to protect what's inside, the soft stuff inside. And unfortunately, for we humans, that can just lead to problems and pain or difficulty. So shift your pain, focus from the problem to the promise. How many of you remember Moses? You remember that he spent 40 years in the desert tending sheep? Here's a guy that was born and raised in Pharaoh's household. Never lacked for a thing. In fact, he could have been considered in line for possible nobility. He could have considered himself someone who could be entitled To riches beyond compare. And yet he spends 40 years in the desert tending sheep. 40 years. No, not 40 days. 40 years tending sheep before he sees a burning bush. Do you think Moses might have complained a little bit during that time? might have felt entitled to more. You know, God, I thought you had things planned out for me a little better than this. This was not on my plan. This is not, my, you know, I didn't do this as assignment. You remember when you had the high school counselors that were, I'm not talking, you know, the ones that were supposed to guidance counselors, right? Guidance counselors, not just counselors, all right? Different thing entirely. And you took those, I remember taking one, I remember taking one in the seventh or eighth grade. I think it was the eighth grade, actually. So that's middle school. 
trying to figure out what you want to do in your life. Moses wasn't sitting there going, I think I want to be a shepherd when I grow up. He wasn't in Pharaoh's household thinking thoughts like that. I'd love to be, I'd love to spend my nights in the desert with sheep. I want you to look at Psalm 90 with me, verses 15 through 17. We've been overwhelmed with grief. Come now and overwhelm us with gladness. Replace your, our, our years of trouble with decades of delight. Years of trouble with decades of delight. Years of trouble, do you hear that? With decades of delight. Let us see your miracles again and let the rising generation see the glorious wonders you're famous for. O Lord our God, let your sweet beauty rest upon us. Come work with us and then our works will endure. You will give us success in all we do. You know who wrote those words? Moses. That's a song from Moses. He wrote these words. And you hear it now? What could have been in the desert, what could have been his established future was transformed. Come, work with us, and then our works will endure. You will give us success in all we do. Hear it? You will give us success in all we do. Something happened in the desert that transformed his future. That burning bush experience was not the only thing. Perhaps the crushing took place while he was tending sheep. God pressed out of him the stuff that would make a mess of his future if God didn't press it out of him. God used the circumstances that, in this case, Moses got himself into to push out of Moses the things that would be in, way, in the way of, of Moses' great future. Is this applying to anybody in this place today? So I want to talk about a new beginning. If you will surrender your life and walk to God, and Minister Robert, if you got to go when you got to go, it's all right, brother, because I'll close it with, with a song today. If you'll surrender your life and walk to God fully, he, does, he has another gig after ours, just so y'all know. <laughs> Even in the trouble... Your life may be different, but better. Seriously. I wanna, your life may be different, but better. You gain something in the trouble or in those broken places if you'll allow Holy Spirit to do the work in you that he needs to do that you're not going to gain any other way and you'll be better. And, and yeah, disappointments can complicate recovery. The Apostle Paul had good reason to regret his past. You remember him, right? He was the one who persecuted the early church. He persecuted them. In other words, he set them up to be put to death. He went and found them. 
He was there when Stephen was stoned to death. The Apostle Paul was there. He was a part of that event. Yet his words reveal an individual who was anything but defeated. Look at Philippians 3, 13 and 14 with me. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. Wow. I love these words. I forget all of the past. Hell lost another one. I am free. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. Love this passion translation of these verses. I, I Stay there for just a minute, Maria. Thank you. See, I do have one compelling focus. That means Paul is intentional. This isn't just happening to him. He's making a decision. Some of you sitting here, I hear the Holy Ghost on this. Some of you sitting here right now have to make a decision on how you look at what's going on in your life. Because either God is God and he really is in control, even of the brokenness, of all the pain, of all the struggle. Either he is or you're just going to rely on your strength and go see a counselor and have confidence that they're going to fix you up. But look at what Paul says. I, that's intentional, I forget all of the past as I fasten. You don't fasten something. I can't do this button without intention. It's not just going to close. I have to fasten the button. I have to intend to make it go in the slot and do its purpose. Paul's saying, I forget all the past as I fasten my heart. Hear what he's saying, because what the enemy wants to do is take you and cocoon your heart and how you feel about what happened to you and how they did what they did to you and get you linked up and constantly held by all of that garbage and it never gets out. You never open up the crust that's surrounding your hard heart so that God can do a work in you. That's not denying that what happened was painful. As Paul's saying, look, I, my life was a mess. I killed people that loved Jesus. But he has to intentionally, I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. Now verse 14. I run. You hear it again? That's intense. You don't run someplace because you just, you like running. Well, I guess some people do run because they like running. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal. And gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. Paul had it figured out. In a way that most of us just don't. We like to stay bound up in our pain. Looking for somebody to come alongside and pat my misery on the back. 
and lift up my, my struggle. Oh, see me, see me. Come on, you need to see Jesus. You need the Holy Ghost to step into the middle of your pain, your brokenness. So just like that loaf had to be torn open for that water, if you will, to impede, uh, to, to not be impeded or prevented from entering in it, filling it. You need the Holy Ghost to fill you in the same way. Paul's focus is not on his past failure, but future triumph. He's planning for success. I'm reaching the heavenly goal. Hallelujah. I'm gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. But I want you to hear what he says near life's end. Now let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. I've fought an excellent fight. I've finished my full course and I've kept my heart full of faith. Paul's saying I won that battle. Kept my heart full of faith. There's a crown of righteousness waiting in heaven for me. And I know that my Lord will reward me on his day of righteous judgment. And his, this crown is not only waiting for me, but for all who love and long for his unveiling. Look at your neighbor right now and say, that's you. You can do it. Revelation 21, verse 1. This is God's definitive reply to brokenness. Then in a vision I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and earth had passed away and the sea no longer existed. That's the God eternal answer. There's coming a new heaven and a new earth. All of your pain, all of your struggle, your life, good, bad, however you view it, is going to turn out okay if you stay on the path. But in the meantime, we can experience a foretaste of that ultimate restoration. You can walk in newness of life. You can walk in God's prosperity. You can walk in God's victory. He's made it possible when Jesus overcame the cross, when he overcame the grave, when he came out of the grave, he produced for us victory. And that's not just future right now. Come on, tell your neighbor, I'm walking in victory. I'm walking in it. So in the meantime, we can experience a foretaste of that ultimate restoration that he's talking about, but there's a catch. As long as we cling to the past, we will be unable to take hold of the future that God has prepared. You want to hang on to the past? It's just going to drag you down and you're not going to make it like God wants you to make it. Healing begins when we refuse to nurse. Hear these words. This is a quote from Gary Limke, which none of you know, but I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Healing begins when we refuse to nurse or curse what has gone before. Looking instead for the open window of opportunity 
that always follows the closed door in the midst of life's heartaches. Refuse to nurse or curse what has happened or gone before. Looking instead to the open window of opportunity that always follows the closed door in the midst of life's heartaches. In other words, when God's come along and he's done his work, if we will look forward with with positive faith and confidence in the Lord, we can experience God's great goodness. Hebrews 2, verse 10. I, I don't think you have it because, but I want you to pull up the video for the end. It may appear that God has forgotten us. But I want you to look up. He's preparing a new beginning with him at the center. He really is. That is your hope. And so I'm going to close with an old song. And I'm going to invite you to sing along with me when I get to the chorus. Some of you are old enough, you've heard it. And you'll be familiar enough to be able to sing along with me. There's a lot of you that this is old enough that you've never heard it. Even even though the writer and singer is still alive and producing music, it goes back a few years. Go ahead, Maria. Sometimes I wonder what he can do through me. No great success to show. No glory on my own. Yet in my weakness he is there to let me our strength is gone He'll carry us when we can't carry on Raised in His power the weak become this second verse. We can only know the power that He holds 
when we truly see how deep our weakness goes. His strength in us begins when ours comes to an end. He hears our humble cry and proves again. His strength is perfect when our strength is gone. He'll carry us Stand to your feet, please. I know it's late in the day, and we've had a marvelous time in the presence of the Lord here today. But if you fall in that category of the person that's been broken, or maybe you're in the middle of it, or maybe the struggle is going on so strong right now, and you You've just been captivated by the struggle or the pain that you've not even thought for a moment that perhaps God could use this to do something he needs to do in you. If you fit in any category of somewhere where this message hits home to you and you'd like to come forward and pray, I'll be happy to pray with you today. Maybe you want to come out of your seat and just come and Take a little time around the altar here. We got time for you. I'm going to dismiss you folks in a little bit. But listen, I want to give you an opportunity. Because I know how, I know how this works. When our strength is gone, he'll carry us when we can't carry on. Raised in his power, the weak become strong. His strength is perfect. His strength is perfect. Would you all stretch your hands in this direction with us, please? Lord, you know every 
man, woman that stands here right now. Come on, Albert. Stand with this brother right here. Come on, Nick. Stand with this brother. Emily, pick one. Minister Tina, come on. Wavina, we need you to come over here and pray with a couple of these ladies. Kayla, come on over here. I thank you for stretching your hands. and You spirit-filled believers, you're, you're praying in the spirit because you don't know. You don't know what's happening. Lord, I ask you to minister into their lives. God, you know the brokenness. You know the pain. You know the struggle that each of these are experiencing right now in this moment. right now, God, I pray that the view begins to turn right now in this moment. And they first re recognize that even in this pain, even in this struggle, you're there to reach out to them. You're not trying to beat them down. You're not using this to just beat them up and cause them pain. No, no. That's the plan of the enemy. But your plan is always and forever to work all things for good. We love you, Lord. And I know your plan is to work good in these lives right now. And I'm asking you, sweet Holy Spirit, to come alongside them in a special way right now. This moment. In this moment, God. Show yourself as God for them in this situation and in this time. Show yourself as their deliverer, their hope. to know that you can take bad circumstances, impossible situations, and Holy Spirit, you can be poured into those situations and out of it pull something that's beautiful. And so God, those that are at this altar and perhaps a few that, I don't know, maybe were embarrassed or just didn't feel like their situation warranted going to the altar or whatever the deal is, God, come to all of these now and bring strength, build courage, lift up those who are broken and have been disrupted by mess and pain and help them see you. Help them understand your word. And in our weakness, you're made strong. That even when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I can fear no evil because you are with me. You've been with me, Lord. You've been with me. Thank you, Lord. You've walked with me during my most difficult moments of my life, you've always been there, Lord. That's my testimony. Nothing and no one can take that from me. You've worked, you've been alongside, 
You've accomplished your work and you've made me a better man. Even in the middle of my mess. Because you were with me. And Holy Spirit, you did a work in me. I know you'll do that with these men and women that stand here right now. And I thank you, God, for doing this for them. In your precious and powerful name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Come on back tonight, 6 o'clock. Join us for some worship and prayer. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the lehigh valley but around the world we want to do our part in reaching the people that god has entrusted to us with the gospel of jesus christ you can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry god bless you have an amazing day remember you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.